Politicians should not be allowed to have Twitter. Oh gosh. Do we want to get into this? (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. Yay. You mean you don't want to have a heated discussion about politics? On Twitter? (laughs) On Twitter. Excuse me while I drink my coffee. (laughs) (sighs) Well, hello. So, talk to me. (laughs) It's the name of our podcast. It is indeed. And I'm Samantha. And I'm Josh. Yep. If you didn't know that by now, listening to episode three. Did we ever introduce ourselves? I don't remember. I think we said no. Maybe it's just all over the information for the podcast. Probably. Regardless. Actually, if you're listening to this, you probably already know who we are. Because you're one of our friends or family. Because <laughs> we're not big on marketing. <laughs> Maybe later. I mean, hey, feel free to share this with anyone and everyone. But now I feel weird because now I feel like I'm talking to two separate types of people at the same time. Like, hey, if you know us, share it. And if you don't know us, then I assume that you know us. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll stop talking now. It's too early for that. Um Yeah. Yeah, I did want to apologize, though, because I feel like in our last episode, I came on too strongly with the whole Game of Thrones thing. Um, I said some things that were too strong and not kind or gentle. So I apologize for that. And also, I apologize if you were annoyed by my ranting of my pet peeves at the end of the episode. I was honestly just sort of in my head, we were sort of done recording and I was just sort of talking. So <laughs> didn't realize I was going to get put in the episode, but it did. So, <laughs> oh, sorry. Now it's my turn to apologize <laughs> for keeping that in the episode. <laughs> like I said, we'll just have an entire episode about pet peeves and it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> that was sarcasm, by the way. I, I don't want to do something like that. That would. <laughs> this is the episode where we complain. <laughs> <laughs> Gather round, children, and let's complain about what we don't like. <laughs> um, no, no, we're not. We're not going to do that. Like the purpose is not to complain, but the purpose is to. Um, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what we talked about throughout that episode. Is like picking apart things that that we see and the reasons behind it. So even when I was talking about like horror and and movies. Like, even things that don't, on the surface, look um, redeemable. Yeah. Like, can have good quality. And even just the conversation that comes from that can be good um, because you're trying to to find the truth in what you disagree with. Yeesh. And that would have been a good segment to something that I want to talk about, but I don't want to talk about it just yet. Oh. We'll get to that. Oh. We'll get to that. (laughs) Um, but the first thing I want to talk about, um, was I was reading yesterday in first Corinthians Mm -hmm. and something stuck out to me that I thought was pretty cool. I like first Corinthians. It, yes, I, well, yes, it's scripture. I like it too. (laughs) I'm actually, and this is going to sound arrogant. I'm sorry. I'm surprised at how much in the book I don't feel like I have a firm grasp on. Like there is, there is some stuff in there that I'm just like, I need to study this because I'm not quite sure what this is talking about. Like, I don't know the practical applications of this, or it just seems over my head at times. Um, so I need to do more study on, particularly on first Corinthians. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll go on a little rabbit trail real quick. Do we have a commentary on, I don't think we have a commentary on first Corinthians. I'm not sure. See, I'm. I'm I'd, I'd have to look through our stacks and stacks of books that I haven't read and see if we have one, because that would be helpful. I don't think we do. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to check our digital libraries as well. <laughs> I'm sure we can find something. Um. Oh, but I was saying that. Yeah. This this year, I decided to read through the Bible in a year. I've done it before, but previously it took about two and a half years. So this year I decided like I actually wanted to commit to 
finishing it in a year and i've i've actually been pretty consistent when when josie was born i kind of got thrown off for a few weeks but i've since caught up and uh it's been really good anyways that to say i'm not trying to brag but just to say that the way that i've been reading scripture this year has been to read big chunks of scripture because in order to finish in a year you have to read like six chapters a day is yours the one that like it takes you through the old testament the new testament and the psalms like all at the same time yes and it has you go through the psalms and the new testament twice in the old testament once because old testament is so long I don't think it's, no, it's not going through the the New Testament twice. The New Testament portions are just significantly smaller than the Old Testament portions. Okay. So it's mostly Old Testament. Okay. Then yours was Um, different than mine. Okay. Okay. But I got it from Ligonier's website. I can put a link in the show notes if anyone is interested because- I think I got mine from John Piper's website. Oh, cool. Okay. I've just found it incredibly helpful. And I say, yes, it's very helpful- but it's different. Like usually I would sit down and read a chapter or two, but now yeah. reading multiple chapters is kind of like giving me a survey of the books. So I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily going really deep, but obviously like I'm I'm still thinking about what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And so when I come across verses that I'm just like, oh, I don't quite understand that or, oh, that's really cool. I can kind of take notes and then go and study that further if I find the time to do that, which often I don't decide to do that but um the the whole this pattern of kind of reading the scripture and getting this overview has just been really cool because then you get more of a picture you get a lot more context to like some of the verses i've grown up in church my whole life so i've heard some verses say for instance i'm reading in isaiah right now and you know there's scripture uh there that you hear around graduation times um, that they will, that Israel will soar on wings like eagles, <laughs> you know, and, and reading through like four chapters of Isaiah at a time, you get the context to where that's actually being said. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just nitpicking verses that sound really cool by themselves. Yeah. Well, and like reading it like that, I found that it was really cool because you could see like the correlation between the Old Testament and New Testament. Yeah. Like sometimes the whatever you were, whatever they had you reading in the Old Testament and in the New Testament at the same time would like match up. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, the, you know, the the Old Testament like correlates to the New Testament. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, which just say that it's actually true. Uh-huh. And you think about that in, in terms of, I was going to say church history, but really world history. There is hundreds and possibly thousands of years between the writings of those books. Yeah. But they're so interconnected. Well, That's awesome. Yeah. And that just like, to me, that just also proves it's like sufficiency and like it's authenticity. Yes, there you yeah. go. Authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, it proves that it wasn't man who put this together. Right. Like it's not, uh, like the scripture says, it's not of the will of man mm-hmm. that prophecy has come. Uh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's so cool to see how God has orchestrated things throughout time and particularly his revelation of himself. Mm-hmm. So cool. Anyways, that's a bit of a rabbit trail, but we'll come back to that later. <laughs> Because of the thing that I want to complain about. Not really. Um, so, 1 Corinthians 14, some verses starting in verse 23. If I can pull it up on my phone here. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? <laughs> but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What stuck out to me about those verses is... The, what you mean tongues isn't just gibberish well okay so that wasn't even where i was going honestly <laughs> um and it's not i mean that that 
scripture clearly says that there are people speaking in tongues in church and not that it's a bad thing, just that it's a bad thing if it's unregulated. Um, yeah, we'll now, talk about that in a different episode. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of what tongues actually means, that's that's a whole other thing. We can do an episode on tongues. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, know, I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> it's too early, y'all. Sorry, I'm only halfway into this cup of coffee. Um, where was I going with that? Okay, so more so than the discussion about tongues, what this uh, what stuck out to me about these verses is that Paul is giving consideration of unbelievers being in church. You know, he said if an outsider or an unbeliever is there in your midst, which I think often in the reformed world, I'll just say reformed, but um, we have such a high view of church and what the Sunday morning service is supposed to be. I say morning, the Sunday, the Lord's Day uh, gathering of the saints is supposed to be. And yes, I believe that first and foremost, it is to glorify God. Like that is the entire focus of the, mm -hmm. of the service. Um, and it is for the saints, like it is for those who are saved, who understand God's yeah. truth. It's for discipleship. Just, yes, exactly. It's for discipleship. But here Paul talks about, he acknowledges that there are going to be people in your midst who don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I would just say that like, this was really cool to me because it kind of just affirms not that churches should be seeker sensitive, not that they should um, gear their entire service towards outsiders, but that there should be a consideration of what happens and you should consider how other people are going to take it. In this instance, it's talking about tongues. Like mm -hmm. if someone who's an unbeliever comes and sees you doing this weird thing that like sees people talking in other languages, like they're going to think you're crazy and it's not going to serve the purpose of glorifying God or proclaiming the gospel. Well, yeah. And that's another reason why it's so important to give the gospel yeah. every single Sunday, because I mean, not only do we believers need to hear it mm -hmm. all the time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like obviously an unbeliever needs to hear it too. Yeah. And I think way too often we just take, we just take the gospel for granted because we're like, oh yeah, we heard that when we got saved, we don't mm -hmm. need to hear it anymore. Yeah. I already know this stuff. Yeah. yeah. But. Nothing could be further from the truth. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if we're going to be brought to repentance every single day, we need to hear the gospel every mm -hmm. single day. So yeah, Paul said, I die daily. Yeah. You know, we need to, we need that. We need to be like that. But I just thought it was really cool and really, um, for someone who works in a church context who, I mean, I, I don't agree 100% with everything that our church does. <laughs> I, I would think that most people wouldn't as well. You know, you, you kind of make some concessions because you're not the senior pastor. So grow up, yeah. like you have spiritual authority over you. Um, again, I, I just think it was, it was, it just was very affirming to hear like, Hey, Paul actually considered what people see on Sunday, what outsiders see on Sunday. So it's not a bad thing to do things to kind of explain what's that going on. Yeah. Or yeah, that are familiar to the culture that, that don't just, that aren't completely crazy to outsiders. Yeah, now, obviously church should be a place where that looks different than the rest of the world. I'm not saying that we should conform um, to the way that the world does things right. entirely. What you win them with is what you win them to. Right. But there is a sense in which you can um, like explain yourself in terms that the world would understand, that outsiders would understand yeah. for the sake of the gospel, for mm -hmm. the sake of... Um, showing them what the truth is not yeah. for the sake of like putting on a production right yes no i totally agree with you i think you have to be obviously you have to be careful with yeah. that um because you also don't want to dumb it down mm -hmm. like just because i think that happens way too often too is we think 
oh, well, they're not going to understand this, so I have to like sugarcoat it or I have to dumb mm-hmm. it down. Yeah. And that's not helpful either. Yeah. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're totally underestimating the person. And, and yeah, a lot of times I think we do that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. In just, in a lot of different ministries, like in youth ministry and women's ministry, we just underestimate people and dumb things down way too much. Mm-hmm. That's why you have all that book crap from Lifeway that is really fluffy. Yeah, those, and not all that book crap. Very theologically sound. <laughs> Sorry, I'm picking on Lifeway because most of the books I'm thinking of are put on through Lifeway. <laughs> Published. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Th- there definitely has to be a balance, but it's not all. Th- so it just, it just seems to me like the particular, in particular, like the reformed camp tends to put all of the emphasis on believers, like believers yeah, yeah, are the ones who saying. are here in church. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to speak to them. So we're going to give them these deep theological truths, which isn't a bad thing, but there is also the consideration of the unbelievers. And obviously we also understand that there will always be tares among the wheat. Like there will always be people in your congregation who are not saved. And, you know, people who are wolves, people who are like on, who are intentionally there to destroy the church that Jesus warns us that that's going to be the case so we understand that but i'm talking about this other camp that paul talks about is just simply outsiders and unbelievers like people who are you know the buzzword nowadays would be seekers whether or not you agree with that term um i I think that's what paul is talking about is people who are not hostile to the gospel because they are there in your midst but uh, and in in a theological sense, I understand that that um, I understand that we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. So, in a sense, yes, we are hostile to the gospel. <laughs> but I'm I'm saying like people who are not actively there in your congregation to disrupt what's going on, but people mm-hmm. who are who are just trying to check out what's going on. Uh, I think that is the common grace of God that He allows people to do that. So, anyways, that. I'm trying to be more exacting with my words, but now I feel like we're just going too far with it. Uh, I say we, it was me. It was me the whole time. It was me. (laughs) I did it. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Inside jokes. Um, Not really inside, just from a show. Yeah, TV show that I wouldn't necessarily recommend, (laughs) but it's funny and it's always sunny. Um. But basically, the reform camp generally tries to teach um, believers, which is a good thing, but there is some consideration. There ought to be some consideration of unbelievers there as well for the purpose of showing them the gospel, teaching them the gospel, and and, uh, that they would repent and believe, which is good stuff. And like you had said, you know... And use that language, too. We don't use the word (laughs) repent enough these days. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking at small group last night about hell and why is it that Christians don't talk about hell when they talk about the gospel. Um, And that was, it was good. You know, you need to have a balance. Yeah. And you have to understand the weight of sin before you can understand the glory of, of, uh, I was going to say repentance, but the glory of the gift that's given so that you can repent. Yeah. You had said that we don't want to dumb down the truth. And I completely agree, but I would say possibly a balance is, um, you know, in, in the case of a sermon is that you don't want to, again, in the reform camp, you don't want to give all meat. You don't want to give only a theological diatribe on the truth of the gospel. Well, yeah, they're not going to understand that language. Exactly. And it's just going to, it's, it's going to confuse them. You want to be able to give milk and meat. Right. Right. And that's not what I meant. I meant, I meant like, you know, how (laughs) not just milk. That's what you were saying. And I completely agree. And that's what I'm saying is like, not just Jesus loves you. Right. So be a nice person. Yeah. You know, like that's not, that's not what we're here to do. 
we're not just encouraging each other to be good because that's the law. <laughs> that's as if, as if Jesus never came. Like he came to save his people and he came to um, fulfill the law. Yeah. And give his Holy Spirit so that we can live in victory over sin um, and bring glory to him. So what I'm saying, yeah, there are two extremes is what I'm saying. You don't want to only give fluffy what the scripture calls milk. You know, we're not all infants, so we don't only want infant formula uh, at your at your worship service. But at the same time, I think us Reformed folk tend to lean too heavily on the meat. And you don't want to give a lecture on Sunday morning. That's not what we're there for either. Yeah. So you want to be able to impart both elementary truth and and deep theological truth that will encourage people to grow. Um, and I'm not a pastor, yeah. so I could have gotten some of that wrong. R.C. Sproul Forgive is me, really good at that. He's really yeah, he good at like putting things in layman terms. Yeah. And I think that's another skill, just yeah. like being personable and being able to relate to the people that you're talking to is mm-hmm. a good way um, to get your, your that truth across as well. And it's something that should be considered. You shouldn't just be dull um, you know, you shouldn't just be, what is it on, um, Ferris Bueller's day off. You shouldn't be the teacher in that spouting off theological truth. Bueller. Yeah. Sorry. My voice just totally cracked when I did that. <laughs> yeah. And, and sometimes we can tend to do that because we say, you know, it's the spirit that changes the heart, which I completely agree, but there's an element that you want to you want to, I was going to say meet them halfway. That's not true. You don't want to meet them halfway, but you want to be able to engage with them um, in a way that they can understand. So anyways, Yeesh. that was a lot longer than I kind of planned to go with that, with those verses. But I just thought it was really cool. And it was Scripture encouraging really cool. to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Which, okay, we'll go there. Segway. <laughs> hey, nice. So Scripture. Scripture's awesome. It is awesome. And sometimes it hurts when people put down scripture. It um, Yeah. It's it's confusing <laughs> and You're being really gentle right now. <laughs> You're saying lots of gentle things that I would not say about what this person said. Yeah. So it hurts to see when someone who professes to follow Christ that they have a low view of scripture and that they put down the words of the Bible that God has given us. And there's someone on Twitter who did that recently that um, I wanted to talk about because I think it'll lead us to what, to the truth of scripture more so. So I don't bring this up just to put this person down. Um, Certainly there's a sense in which I do want to warn against this person um, because of their belief, but I'm not, I'm not. Like, I don't want this to just be a pet peeve. I don't just want to say, hey, um, well, yeah, it's not, this person's terrible. It's not, not just my point. a pet peeve. It's, it's blasphemy. So, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's get into it. So, um, recently there and was, heretical. what's that? And heretical. And heretical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she'd take issue with that, but. So, um, there was, there's a, a person, a supposed Bible teacher, sorry, um, who her, she goes by the name. I don't know if this is her actual name, whatever, but her name is Jory Micah and, um, she is pretty active on Twitter and uh, I would caution against her. She, um, is very progressive in things that she says, um, which is so funny that progressive has become a bad word. Yeah. Like it literally means progress. Like that should be a good thing. Um, kind of like the whole social justice warrior thing is like social justice is a good thing, but you can take it term, too far. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I digress. Um, but she tweeted something the other day and I don't want to go into detail about her as a person, but she claims to be a faithful Bible teacher. She claims to know the original languages of scripture. And so therefore she is able to interpret scripture and she teaches what 
scripture says. This is all her claims of who she is. And she tweeted the other day um, something that has kind of stirred up some controversy. And so I'll just go ahead and read it and, and we'll see what we think. She said, Jesus' words are our primary source. It's pretty good. Paul's words are our secondary source. Come again? Secondary sources are great, but not as great as primary ones. And then she replied to her tweet. Yes, Paul's words are inspired by Holy Spirit, but Jesus is Holy Spirit. So So there... There's a big misunderstanding of the Godhead in in that tweet, because mm-hmm. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? And she That's true. Yeah, she doesn't understand what the word "inspired" means, obviously. Right. And that's the big thing that stuck out to me. That, I mean, that's a good point. Jesus is Holy Spirit. Uh, they're two distinct persons. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a good. I honestly, that part did not even stick out to me as much as um, the interpretation of the word "inspired," which may say more about me. But uh, so the fundal, fundamental misunderstanding of the persons of the Trinity and how they relate to each other, but also the inspiration of Scripture. So what is wrong? Which is also a fundamental misunderstanding of the Godhead. May hey, there you go. There you go. It all kind of loops. It all kind of folds in on itself. But what is wrong with this? Because at face value, a lot of Christians, a lot of people in church nowadays wouldn't have a problem with what she's saying. She's saying Paul's words are great, but Jesus's words are better, right? That's that's kind of distilled down what she's saying. And I don't think... uh, I think you'd be surprised by how many people who attend church today would agree with that statement. What is wrong with that statement? Well, since Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed, mm-hmm. um, putting Jesus' words above Paul's words, you're essentially saying that what Paul wrote is actually not inspired by God or not God-breathed, or you're saying that it is God-breathed, but that God that breathed those words is not as important as Jesus, which, like I said earlier, is a very big misunderstanding of the Holy Trinity. Okay. Well, later she attempts to clarify what she said. This is another tweet that she had. It was in a, uh, it was another reply. She said, there is a difference between God's word and God breathed inspired. The first is the word. The latter is inspired human authors. So she is saying, she clarified herself in saying that there is a difference between God's word and God breathed or, or inspired human authors. I'm sorry. A lot of things are going through my head right now. Okay. And I'm going to refrain from saying a lot of them. Um, <laughs> that is wise. <laughs> um, the fundamental issue here is her misunderstanding of the Trinity. Um is what I'm gathering. Because if you're saying that there's a difference between God's word and the inspired words, then you're saying that there's two different gods or that he's like, or that he's saying two different things. I don't think that's what she's saying. I think she's saying that inspired human authors don't get as much credit as what God has actually said through Jesus. So like some more tweets that she said, the pushback is about Christians believing that Paul's words get equal authority to the very words of Jesus. This is irrational to me. And here's another tweet. No, I still think Paul's words are important, 
just not as important as Jesus' words. I think Paul would totally agree. The context is Christ. Paul would not agree with you at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think we could demonstrate that from scripture. (laughs) Because what he wrote in 2 Timothy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she does bring up in another tweet that what he has written in 2 Timothy, that all scripture is inspired by God. At the time that that was written, um, he specifically, most likely, I mean, talking about the Old Testament scriptures there because the New Testament canon had not yet been formed. So while she may have a point with that, um, all scripture is scripture. <laughs> like, yeah. The New Testament is scripture. Paul may not have been thinking in particular about the New Testament scriptures when he wrote that. But if you're inspired by God, <laughs> then truly um, his words meant more than what he possibly could have um, thought that they would at the time of the writing. Does that make sense? Uh, Because God actually used him to write the words of God. Yeah. Just like he used every author of the Bible. Yep. Yeah. So, because if if she's saying that he's just he's referring to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. well, people like men wrote the Old Testament as well. <laughs> like that's so true. That doesn't even <laughs> like that doesn't. There's there's no that argument doesn't hold any water yeah, whatsoever. Jesus didn't write any of the Old Testament, yeah. right? <laughs> oh my gosh, oh. Wow, that's that's a really good point. So where this comes to a head for me is her uh, fundamental misunderstanding of what inspiration is. So she pits Jesus, the Word of God. I agree, Jesus is yes. the Word of God. John first, excuse me. John one talks about Jesus being the Word yeah. eternally. So she pits Jesus against the inspiration, the inspired human authors. If we use the word inspired like it's used in English nowadays, so you read inspirational books, or I watched this movie and it inspired me to do something with my life. Yeah, that's not the same thing. Yeah, that's not what Paul meant when he said inspired, which is interesting because she even uses another term that, Um, a more, um, I was going to say more modern, but more modern translations use this term as opposed to the older term of inspired, but breathed out by God. And this is what Paul was really trying to say, uh, what he said, not trying to say, but what he said, Yes, um, is that these words are breathed out. So um, inspired, the original meaning of the word the spire in that word refers to spirit Mm -hmm. um, which refers to breath as well so if god is actually the one breathing out these words it is not different than the word of god it is the same if god breathes out these words it is the word of god yes so they are one and the same yes i and they're not different than jesus's words they're not It is as if Jesus were actually to say that. Because Jesus is God, now not misunderstanding the different persons within the Trinity, but because Jesus is God and God breathed out these words, it is on the same level. They are all Jesus's words. And they they are all God's words. And God does not pit himself against himself. And there are no words of God that are less important than other words of God. Now, um, there may be a sense in which maybe she's saying, well, because they came through human authors, then they're flawed because humans are flawed. However, when we're talking about words breathed out by God and we're talking about the inspiration of the scripture, we have to reject that claim. We have to say that because God has said these words are breathed out by him, 
it doesn't matter whether he used a broken human to write down these words. They are the words of God. Because he also says that he preserves his word. Yes, he pres- he preserves it for all time in a sense that, um, yes, his, his word is not corrupted. Right. Um, I mean, if, if you want to talk about the canon and the, the translation of scripture, textual criticism, that is an entirely separate conversation. Um, that Which we I am, can do an episode on that, too, because you've been studying that. Yes, but I've only scratched the surface. Like, I've spent... I've spent hours taking a look into it, and yeah. sure, I'd love to talk about if it. If you but want to I know more about that, go search James White. James out. White's great, and <laughs> and the lectures I've been listening to have been by Dan Wallace. He's also great, uh, but there's so much there, and that is so. Um, people have dedicated their lives to determining the authenticity of the manuscripts of Scripture that we have. And so it is such a deep uh, well to try and plumb um, just just the way that we determine what is authentic. But that said, at the end of the day, the differences in the manuscripts are so um, minuscule to the actual meaning of the text that we can have assurance that God has preserved his word because he said that he he would not... um, he would give that like if God revealed himself and gave us his word to reveal himself, he's not gonna, he's not gonna hide himself. Right. You know, the whole point of the scripture is And he's not to gonna misrepresent himself. himself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or contradict himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's gonna speak clearly. Yeah. So, um, the reason I bring this up is really to just take a look at scripture and what we believe about scripture. And if, Someone is telling you, you know, there is, there are Bibles nowadays called red letter Bibles. And there's this idea with some Christians that the red letters, you know, the, the words that Jesus said, they're, they're in red, whereas the rest of the text is in, is just normal black ink that the red letters are the really important stuff. You know, Jesus himself said this. Uh, I mean, there are arguments nowadays that, well, homosexuality isn't wrong because Jesus didn't ever think it was important enough to bring it up, you know, because he didn't use that word. There, there's not the word homosexuality in red. But it's it, that's such a misunderstanding of what God has given us in Scripture. So instead of just turning this into, oh, man, you know, this this, this chick doesn't know what she's talking about. What I want to do is say scripture is so rich and deep and uh, just encourage you to study all of it and to understand that all of it has purpose and meaning. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of the exact terms, but but even the Bible says, you know, it's, it's for rebuke. It's for exhortation. Um, it's for teaching. Yeah. Correcting. Correcting. Yeah, what's that Training song? in righteousness. There, exactly. Like there's so much you can get from all of scripture and don't pit scripture against itself because it is all God speaking to us. And what an amazing thing that God has done that, has given us, um, has, has shown himself, has revealed himself to us through the scripture. So take all of it, even the parts I was talking about, how I'm reading 1 Corinthians. I've grown up in the church all my life, and there's still things that baffle me in that book that I don't fully understand. There's so much in the Bible, and all of it is of primary importance, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> and I say that like, like it's all God's word and treat it as if it's all God's word, whether you understand it or not right now. Like that is why the Holy Spirit was given to dwell in us as Christians right. was so that he could teach us what the Bible means. Not so that we can say, Jesus has said this and Paul has said this, so let's side with Jesus. No, God doesn't talk out of both sides of his mouth. <laughs> like He doesn't contradict himself. He doesn't um, have Jesus have a high view of something and then someone else you know, Paul's writings have a low view of that same thing. Like, no, it's all God speaking. 
It's all God giving us truth. So um, I hope that's an encouragement. It's an encouragement to me. And, and like I said, just starting off with this, it, it just, it hurts to see when Christians disagree with that, when they say that there are things that Jesus said that are more important than the rest of scripture. Like that hurts because then you're, you're putting down what God has given us right. as a revelation of himself and his character and his truth. Um, don't, don't fall for that. Right. And there are some things that we will never fully understand until, oh gosh. <laughs> until we're, you know, in his presence. And, and I guess that's a segue to another topic. Another, if we, we want to get into that deep, deep well that we will jump into here. Yeah. Um, we can scratch the surface, maybe make part two in the next episode. I don't know. Cause I feel like this is going to be a huge conversation. Yeah. So go for it. Talk to me. What oh, is this? sorry. I thought you were going to pull bring it up, but, um, there's, there's been a controversy lately. This belief has been around for a long time, but, um, recently and i say recently within the past year yeah i mean within the past year it's really been hit on and talked about but i mean uh, theologians have written about it like really popular theologians have written about it since like the 90s um referring to like wayne grudem and where um but so ess which stands for uh, eternal subordination of the sun. And then there's also EFS, which was eternal, eternal functional subordination. Yes. So there's, so you were saying eternal functional subordination just talks about how the sun is functionally subordinate to the father. Right. Um, which that also fits into ESS, which is saying that the son is eternally subordinate to the father. Yeah. Um, so let's unpack that first. Okay. For, so that we can be clear on our terms before we move forward. So ESS, eternal subordination of the son. Mm-hmm. This has to do with how the three persons of the Trinity interact with each other. Right. We understand as as well as we humans can that God is three persons and one being. Right. There is only one God. We worship yes. one God. But that one God has three persons. Mm-hmm. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Right. And it's and it's not like each person represents one third of God. No. Right. <laughs> no. That right. that's not how it works. Um it's each person is God. Yes. Yes. God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is not, I guess, made up of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in speaking like they're one-third, one-third, one-third. Right. Um, it's not that one-third of God came to earth. Right. Yeah. It's not right. that one-third of God dwells in us. Right. Right. The fullness of God is in God the Father. The fullness of God is in Mm -hmm. God the Son. And the fullness of God is in God the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. And again, before we move forward, um, we have to say that this is difficult to understand because we don't have anything analogous to it. Like right, we can't, we can't compare it to anything. Exactly, we can't say. Even and, though we try. <laughs> right, and any analogy that we have falls short. Yes. So there's, there's a joke going around in a lot of the groups that I, I see of of the explanation of the Holy Spirit being like a fidget spinner. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so God is the you know, fidget what are the spinner other ones? when it's spun. A clover or, or water. An, or water. As ice. Or an apple. Yeah. Or an egg. Mm-hmm. I've heard that too. Yeah, and how and how there are these three different parts. Um, so we so it is really hard to understand this concept, um, and we have to confess that we can't fully right. understand everything about God. I mean, we can't. We're just finite. We yeah. won't know until we're perfected what all this really means. But we have to say that Scripture teaches that God is three in one, that he is three persons, but one being. Mm -hmm. He's actually only one God. We do not worship three gods. 
we worship one God right. who is three persons, not expresses himself as three different persons. Um, and, th- and that's actually what I was going to say is that we don't want to, um, if we step outside of these bounds that scripture has said that he is three persons and one God, then we're going to fall into a heretical view. So if we say, in attempt to understanding who God is, if we say, well, um, Jesus, or God takes the form of the Son in Jesus, and then he takes the form of the Holy Spirit now, that's a, a heresy called modalism, where God <laughs> yeah. exists in different modes. And that's not true, because God does not just put on a different face and appear differently he is actually three persons eternally. Yes. That's what scripture says, that Jesus was with um, the Father. Yes. And creating. And when we try to put analogy on the Trinity, um, we get things like this, like ESS and EFS. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Where we totally commit heresy <laughs> yeah um well well yeah we may commit heresy uh, and and we'll delve into that as we take a look at what these things are but yes as a rule of thumb if we step outside of what the scripture says if we try to um fit if we try to logically deduce things about god th- about a god that we cannot fully understand we are treading on very dangerous ground yes unless what we're saying is what scripture says well about isaiah god. in isaiah it says um to what would we compare god like there's nothing you can compare god to yeah absolutely nothing like the the trinity is a completely unique thing that you can't compare it any you can't compare it to anything right um right which step back for a moment duh <laughs> like God didn't create anything that fully captures his being or that fully is analogous to his being. Right. Duh, he's God. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Why? Like, he can't create an, an exact replica of himself because then there would be another God. Right. God, that's, that's not how this works. Yeah. Like, you can't have two gods. Yeah. God is the eternal ultimate deity. Like, you can't. You can't <laughs> recreate that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so recently this, this issue has been brought up because um, the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood uh, have basically in, in their attempt to combat the egalitarian view, um, which in another episode, we can go through complementarianism and egalitarianism if you want to. That's a completely different subject that we're not going to go into right now. Well, yes, but I think it would be helpful to define what that is, just really quick. Okay, so, so the egalitarian view would be um, that uh, men and women do not have separate roles. Right, they're equal in role. They're equal in role, yes. Yeah. Um, whereas the complementarian view would say that they are, um, equal in value mm-hmm. and, uh, importance, mm-hmm. but not equal in role. We have different roles. Right. They're distinct roles. Yes, yes exactly. Okay. Um, so, so, so to combat the egalitarian view, right. They unfortunately put, put this, put this view on manhood and womanhood. So to make this issue seem more important, talk, talking about biblical manhood and womanhood, um, they put the analogy out there that man is like, the man is like God the Father and the woman is like God the Son in in their submissive in the submissive role. So the man being the one, sorry, I'm getting my words twisted up here. Um, the woman being submissive to the man is like the son being submissive to the father. Um, which is kind of crazy to me. Well, it is crazy to me. Not kind of crazy. It is crazy to me because 
I haven't seen God use that analogy for himself <laughs> anywhere in scripture. <laughs> it, I have seen, though, Paul use the picture of Christ and the church for husband and wife, mm-hmm. but not the father and the son of the Godhead. And also, uh, Wayne Grudem himself also compared the Holy Spirit like the children in the marriage relationship, uh, which is so weird to me. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so without getting into the specifics of all those, because there is certainly context in what people have said, we don't want to just cherry pick what they've said and say that they're crazy, but there is context to that without jumping into that context. um, There is the verse that they pull from Mm -hmm. to compare God, the father with a husband and God, the son with the wife is actually in first Corinthians. So like I said earlier, there are some things in first Corinthians that I don't understand. This was actually one of the verses when I read it that I was like, whoa, I need to study this more because I don't know. And Uh then we started talking about ESS and it's like, oh, this is the verse that they're using improperly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In my my view, I believe that this is completely improper use of it. It is um, first Corinthians 11 verse three. Paul says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The Mm -hmm. head of a wife is her husband Mm -hmm. and the head of Christ is God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, as complementarians, we believe that the roles of husband and wife is that the husband leads. And that's what is being said here that the husband is the head of the wife Mm -hmm. and the husband leads in his role. So when we talk about subordination or being subordinate, we simply mean that the role of the wife is subordinate to the husband. The role of the wife follows her husband's leading. Submits. Yes. And yes. And submits to her husband's leading. Again, they are equal in value yes but that god gives us that gender role when we're born not that all women should submit to all men no that is that is not what (laughs) we believe all that is not found in scripture no and unfortunately some complementarians would claim that view yeah they'd they'd fall off to that side (laughs) no definitely not no that is dangerous um but that the wife submits to the leadership of her husband and that is what I believe Paul is saying here in First Corinthians. Yes. Um, so what these, the, the ESS position or possibly even the EFS position would say that, well, here, since uh, the head, or excuse me, since the head of a wife is her husband, mm-hmm. Paul is comparing that the head of Christ is God. So this is where they would say that. But it doesn't say God the Father. And it doesn't say God the Son. No. Either. And that that is the kind of the, the sticking point. Yes. I, I completely because agree. Because Christ is it's referring to the Son in his human form. Right. And how do, how do you come to that conclusion? Because he's only ever referred to Christ in his human form. Mm-hmm. So Christ is a messianic term. Christ, uh, and what I mean by that is, is that refers to God the Son as a Savior. Mm-hmm. So, and his, God the Son's role as Savior is a role that he has played, for lack of a better term, in his mission to save humanity, excuse me, <clears throat> here on earth. So, if we understand that, God the Son is eternal. God the Son didn't exist just as Jesus. Right. Um, it, excuse me, I'm, I may be mixing terms, but just as a physical man. Right. He did not come into existence at the point of incarnation when he was born in a manger. <laughs> he has existed eternally, but he plays a role, and there are roles that are played within the Trinity, the different par- persons, same parts, excuse me, persons of the Trinity, they play different roles in the salvation of humankind. Right. So Jesus came to earth to save sinners. And in that, he is the Christ. So that term is specifically talking about God the Son as 
coming to earth as a human and what he accomplished as a human. So it's not when we say that this is referring to God, the son eternally, we're pulling it too far. Yeah. We're, and, and that is, I think, the fatal flaw of this position mm-hmm. that would say that eternally God the Son is subordinate to God right. the Father. Well, in something that Dr. White had pointed out, that this is what happens when you start with man and work your way up to God. So they started with the husband and wife picture and then brought God down to that picture mm-hmm. <clears throat> to make the analogy instead of starting with God, who he has said he is, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then working your way down to man, to the husband and wife. Yeah, yeah. So so let's put it this way. If God has to express, we, like we said, God, we cannot fully understand God, right? Right. So God does use he talks to us as if we um like the way that we talk to our children in a way that our children can understand Mm -hmm. um it's like if you say you took a picture of a sunset okay and you then you took that picture and you put it in photoshop and then you you know you adjusted the colors or maybe you you turned it into black and white okay and you showed that picture to someone and they said, oh, wow, I've never seen a, a sunset before. Did I say sunset, sunrise? doesn't matter. <laughs> but it's, this is in black and white. Oh, man, this is so cool. I love how black these mountains are. Therefore, um, whenever I see a sunset, or therefore, now I know that sunsets make mountains black. No, they don't at all. It's the medium that you're using to communicate. And if you take that black and white picture and therefore say that the thing that it is a picture of, like you take that picture and and the attributes of that picture, you say are the exact attributes of the actual event occurring, you're looking at it the wrong way. Whereas what you should say is the actual event that's occurring, the sunset, um, is vivid and bright and what we can capture about that in this black and white picture is still a an, a representation of it but it doesn't capture the fullness of what a sunset is no. and it's the same thing with what this is saying about god and and like you said what james white said we can't start with marriage or or the relationship between a husband and a wife and then relate the intricacies of that relationship back to God. Right. That's not the way this works. Yeah. God created the husband and wife relationship to show a picture of mm-hmm. part of, um, you know, like you said, Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. But in this sense, what the scripture is saying, the, that relationship in some sense um, is analogous to the picture of Christ and God, the roles of Christ and God. But it does not mean that, yeah, therefore we can take all of the intricacies of the husband and wife relationship and say that that is how God the Father and God the Son relate to each right. other. Because then you, you get into a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that can be really dangerous if you apply it to other other things within yeah. marriage, you know? So um, there is a lot more to say in this topic and we can tackle more of it, but that is kind of a baseline of where I want to end this conversation purely because of time. Um, (laughs) So we can pick this up next time uh, or if we want to pick it up later that, yeah, there's still so much more to say about Mm -hmm. it because it's such a, honestly, this is such a deep topic. Like when you had brought it up that you wanted to talk about this, I was like, oh man, I'm totally unqualified. Like I, I, I just well, yeah, I don't consider myself qualified. It's mm-hmm. just something. I just I find this subject extremely interesting. Yeah, because I, I just I I really don't understand. I guess how you come to that conclusion, but yeah. Um, but I I would like to mention kay. the lectures that I was yes. listening mm-hmm. to, so we can put that link to those in the show notes. So St. Andrews College has um, a podcast and 
the lectures that I was listening to uh, by um, Reverend Dr. Michael McClenahan. He has a pretty cool accent. Um, Irish dude. <laughs> it might be Scottish, actually. He sounded... Oh, really? Yeah, he sounded... It sounded Scottish, but not like a super heavy Scotch accent. Yeah. Anyways, I could be completely wrong. I probably am. But um, the lecture lectures are called uh, Lectureship, Life in Himself. There's two parts, part one and part two. And he 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 goes into a lot more detail on on this subject and on uh, Grudem's and, and Ware's positions on this. So you can listen to those. Yeah, good stuff. Was that the only um, uh, podcast you had to recommend? Oh, yeah, I guess those would be recommendations. <laughs> oh, well, I know, well, yeah, but I, ju- I just meant... Getting into recos, but... I, I just meant that it, you said you had podcasts that you wanted to, to link in the show notes. It was just that set of podcasts. That one, and also I would uh, if, go listen to uh, the Sheologians episode. They just recently had uh, Dr. White on there, and he lightly touched on this subject. Um, but also that you were listening to a Dividing Line episode that he sort of talked about this too. Yeah, that one was about a year ago. That one may be a little bit harder to find, but if you search on YouTube, um, James White EFS, um, there's like a two-hour episode that the second hour is all talking about this controversy. And, And yeah, I feel that Dr. White is just very balanced in his outlook of this entire thing. Like he's not saying... Stop listening to these guys. They're terrible, which some people are. Um, Yeah, people go too far. Exactly, exactly. I would also recommend, um, and I can put this link in the show notes as well, Albert Moeller wrote a piece on this controversy as well, and he is basically saying just that, like, stop blowing this out of proportion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because we cannot fully understand the interworkings of the Trinity stop saying that because people don't agree with you that they have, um, that they're completely unorthodox. Right. Um, that's, that's kind of the gist of it, but he says it's so much better than I can. Don't be legalistic about it. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation. It's worked out much, much better than the previous attempt at it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which we will probably never publish because uh, it um, was maybe like five minutes, maybe. Yeah, and we, and we just we were both we were super tired. Just talking about how tired we were, <laughs> I couldn't think very well, and then I just got frustrated that it wasn't working, and um, said some things I shouldn't have said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't. We got in this huge went, argument and <laughs> threw something at. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you threw a baby at my face, <laughs> but I caught her just in time. No, actually, I. I was just frustrated and then took a nap. So that was fun. That is what happened. All right. Well, if you want to contact us about any of these things and talk about how um, we were not exact in our language and we're actually heretics and no one should listen to us, you can reach out to us at (laughs) uh, through email. So talk to me podcast at gmail.com or you can catch us on Twitter. We haven't been very active on Twitter, but maybe we can uh, pick that up a little bit more. Um, Our handle on Twitter is at so underscore talk to me. Cool. Any parting words? Go have a intentional conversation with your spouse. Yeah, it'll be good. I I love these times. This is really, this is really cool. You should do it too. Just try it out. See what happens. You know your (laughs) spouse better than we do. Um, so sometimes maybe your spouse doesn't want to have these conversations, but then I would say, have an intentional conversation about something that you and your spouse enjoy and how you can be meeting your spouse's needs in that. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, just maybe bring up one of these subjects and be like, so what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Ask them to, to talk to you about their views on different things. Cause that's really all that this is. I mean, we do a little bit of prep cause I, I had to look into this whole controversy, but um, that's pretty much what this is. Is just like we just picking our brains about different things. Yep. 
I like right. your brain. <laughs> I like to pick it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, till next time, guys. Bye. See ya. Well, not really see you.